Hi everyone, my name is Laura and you're listening to LF Photospace, a podcast dedicated to all things photography from my perspective. And today we're going to talk a little bit about travel photography because as you all may know, traveling is big this year, specifically now during the summer. So we'll cover a little bit about what it involves, the type of genre that it is, and how it's defined in today's travel world all right so when we talk about a genre for travel photography i want to say that we talk about um, the documentation of an area's landscape its people obviously its culture definitely their customs but most of all the history And so, according to the Photographic Society of America, it has defined travel photography as the, I guess, the motion of taking an image that expresses the feeling of a time and a place, that portrays a land. Obviously, again, it's people or a culture, specifically in their natural state, and has no geographical limitations, which means that you can go from A through Z and still be able to photograph that specific moment in that area or that location. And talking about travel photography as well, it is considered one of the most open terms of the subjects that it covers. And what does that mean? Um, Well, according to many travel photographers that tend to specialize in a particular aspect of it, Some will do travel portraits, travel landscape, or even documentary photography involving travel, and also shooting many different aspects of travel in general. And many of today's travel photography styles um, come and derive from the early work of many of the magazines like the National Geographic, Um, And from this particular magazine, which is by far the most popular, uh, many photographers evolved or have evolved throughout this process. And the genre, again, entails shooting a different and a large variety of subjects under varied and available conditions in the sense that it's that environment that you're in in that particular moment. It's not staged, it is not um, set up, it just kind of happens. And therefore, it involves the use of low lights, perhaps uh, working with exteriors, ambient light, uh, perhaps working around the exterior of buildings and monuments. And obviously, again, shooting on the streets where sometimes the conditions can be hostile. You know, you can capture a moment which is rarely to happen and capturing that specific magic of light because you can catch, you know, maybe even a sunrise or a sunset while you're shooting a specific uh, landscape or while you're shooting landscapes overall. And because travel has been a lot more popular this year and more accessible over time, more and more people are opening up to photographing 
um, different aspects of travel. So you're talking about amateur photographers, you know, those that are starting out, those that maybe have not studied the subject. And you also have professionals who have been doing it for years, who are either freelance or have been working for different magazines, or maybe, who knows, they might work for the National Geographic or many different travel magazines or books, or they're just in the process of creating different photos. Therefore, um, amateur photography has often been shared through sites like many of you I'm sure know Flickr. I know I have some of my pictures there. There's another one called 500px and there's another one that's even more interesting called x1 or 1x if I can say that again. Check those out. Definitely google those. You'll have a lot more information and you'll get a better perspective, a better understanding of some of the amateur photography specifically travel photography that is out there and again travel photography unlike any other genre you know compared to fashion to product photography and even food photography is and tends to still be underestimated and relatively less monetized because there aren't that many photographers where the genre uses light and other shooting conditions that they can control. I guess for the most part, travel or traditional travel photography um, and photographers earned money through stock photography, which is the art or the essence of photographing just for the sake of photographing. Let's say you go on a trip and you're taking, you know, specific photos of the Grand Canyon or the mountains and once you take these images you sell them you set them up to be used by other individuals but every time somebody uses these images you get paid specific rights because you know those images are copyrighted you are the sole owner of those if those images that you have and are getting paid for are used by different individuals then there is some type of monetary compensation that is provided to you. Um, other photographers have worked on, let's say, magazine assignments, maybe commercial projects. And the difference between a commercial project and a magazine assignment is definitely working for a travel magazine and going or being sent to specific locations to photograph different styles, different aspects, maybe to capture moments in a city or a town. And commercial projects tend to be more of what a brand wants you to instill. So let's say a brand like Toyota wants you to photograph their new Highlander or their Forerunner in the middle of the, let's say, Rocky Mountains, then that's a commercial project because you're shooting for a company. You're shooting for perhaps an ad that's going to be placed on all types of magazines. Could be, you know, travel related or not. And therefore, it's considered a commercial project. But, you know, these days, stock photography and its market has collapsed a little bit because there are more and more photographers that are using innovative methods, you know, to earn a living, you know. 
they can blog and put their photos as part of their blogs um, through public speaking, again, commercial projects, which probably allow them to make more money and even teaching, which is what some of us still like to do. And for consumers of photography that relate to travel, uh, again, I mentioned National Geographic. There are other magazines and other publications like Traveler, Condé Nast Traveler, and etc. that demand that this specific genre exist. And so because of these industries or because of these organizations, Travel exists, obviously. Photography has to exist if travel still exists. Photo education has to exist because there are photographers that are willing to teach the art. But again, many travel photographers are leading the way by creating photo tours, maybe perhaps through different companies or other companies that are not related specifically to them. Some of them are basically presenting their skills, utilizing their skills through the knowledge of locations that work with travel photography or relate to travel and the experience of working as a professional photographer while using the help to travel and create trips is what will actually give them the ability to work more, to work freely, to create more. Many others, again, are, you know, perhaps doubling up, you know, as educators and, you know, working with different lighting to teach lighting, as well as how to incorporate both lighting and photography. And many intricately use their strengths like, um, being able to shoot outdoors or perhaps even for architectural purposes, lending a hand and working through architectural photography, which could be working with the structure of buildings, the structure of any type of building per se, whether it's a, a material that's being used or not, you know, so on and so forth. And just having that ability to create advertising work perhaps or maybe incorporating different skills like documentary photography in order to create travel photography so basically telling a story through travel and having a narrative that explains each location or the purpose of each image and for the history let's see maybe a little bit of history about travel photography I know that some of the early practitioners or the early uh, photographers that actually practiced travel photography were a gentleman by the name of Francis Bedford, another gentleman by the name of George Bridges, uh, Maxime Duchamp or Ducamp, Solomon Nunez Carvalho, Francis Frith, and even James Recalton. I've heard of Nunes or Solomon Nunes Carvalho. He's actually pretty good. He used to photograph uh, children and different um, settings, perhaps poverty and whatnot. So that's definitely someone that you want to check out. But again, if you are looking to photograph as you travel, you know, you also want to be able to 
go to places and locations that will capture your eye as well as you capture the intensity of what each location each environment each establishment is willing to offer you as the photographer and we can talk a little bit about some tips definitely some tips if you're looking to improve your travel photography if you've already started doing it and even if you haven't started doing it but you're thinking about it you want to buy that that precious camera and you want to put it to good use you know you've spent a good amount of money and you want to play around with it and see what you get definitely some tips to share with you and something simple you know because again every travel destination has its own look its own culture its history its people you have feelings that evolve there's landscapes and definitely stories and so when you learn to capture these through your images this helps you to convey the spirit of a place to different people who may not have been there to give others the opportunity to experience what you've experienced through your photos you basically give them a little bit of a glimpse of what it might be like to go to that location to go to that place that you were there and so a lot of what you want to do is the easiest thing that you can do when you're traveling is to wake up early and definitely stay out late i know that that sounds like a lot but if you're traveling or you're visiting a place that you've never been to or that maybe you're doing it during a holiday or maybe during the summer and you know people are open you know stores are open later locations are open earlier you want to see the type of environment that you're in when you start photographing or perhaps before you start doing it so that you can kind of get a feel for what you want to capture definitely i recommend waking up early making the most of your day making the most of your natural lighting if you're working with that and definitely staying out late because you see everything in every hour every aspect of every day that you're traveling and remember you're not living there so your experience is not from a local perspective it's from a visitor's perspective it's almost kind of voyeur but with limitations because you're not really it's not like you're a peeping tom but you're kind of curious about what happens during the day during a specific time of the day or a specific time of the night so definitely one thing that you want to try and as they say the early bird gets the worm i'm sure you've heard that before so light again is one of the most important ingredients for great photography you can work with soft you can work with warm and if you're working with morning you're working with morning light that creates amazing images you have the different tones the tonalities you learn to use that for yourself it's it's incredible what you can get so um one aspect is probably the the one that may or may not have been overused or used the most sunrise because of the hour because of how quickly sunrise moves up and how quickly the sun moves and how it starts to create a shape as it gives off or it radiates light that's one thing definitely another tip would be to do a pre-trip location scouting and what does that mean well that means that you know 
looking or maybe going to the library and looking at books or guidebooks that are about travel in those cities or those locations. Definitely want to look into the destination that you're looking to travel to. You can look online, um, read articles, maybe even blog posts, and those will help to give you some ideas for the type of photos that you want to take. Maybe talk to friends, maybe, you know, different friends who have been to different places and kind of get their perspective. Reach out to other photographers that you may know of if you can and ask, you know, try to become more knowledgeable about the places and the images that you're going to capture so that you know that when you're there at these places, at these locations, that you are able to capture the essence of each of those. I mean, I can talk to you about my favorite tools, but I could definitely say that you can use those. Those will give you great ideas and they will help you. So definitely look at other Instagram accounts where travel photography is the main subject. Check out Pinterest. Pinterest is great. If you haven't signed up for Pinterest, you definitely should. If you don't have the app, I highly recommend it because there are some great ideas there. And the purpose of this is to be able to share among others and not hover over something because it's easier and it's a lot friendlier if you're able to share some of your personal tips or maybe even your personal experiences. And one other thing that you can try is just search on Google. Go to Google and find out You know, if you're into landscape photography at sunrise, Google that and see what you get. Look at images. I use a lot of that. And these sites or apps taught me that there are some iconic locations out there that you may or may not know about, you know, that it could be hidden and maybe you're, you're just about to discover and so is your camera. And by allowing yourself to be curious to try and find out, you actually can come up with some pretty good stuff. Um, even something as simple as those old school postcard racks. Remember those? Like when you travel or maybe if those are at like the airport or at those souvenir shops and you have, I don't know if they still have them. I know a few years ago they still did. But even those postcards that have the pictures of the places that you want to go to that are very typical, very traditional, traveling, very touristy postcards. You can take a look at those and those can give you some great ideas. You know, you can create a list of the types of images that you want to capture. And definitely those would be a great help. You can think of names of locations that you'd maybe like to try and perhaps do some more research. Check out what time of day um, for that location has the best lighting. How difficult is it to reach those vantage points? Maybe perhaps if you're traveling and visiting an attraction, what time does it open? When will the touristy traffic be low or be high? What will the weather be like? You know, those are important things to consider, not just because you're traveling because you want to take the right outfit or because you want to pack correctly, but also because that's going to affect the type of photography that you're going to take. So make sure that, you know, you have a plan. 
I always talk about that. Have a plan, have a list, have something to go by, something to reference. Because if you're wondering about and you're going into a great looking city or you're going into a great location and you have no plans, you know, you're not prepared. So then you're wondering what you're going to photograph, which is great. But for that, I recommend that you're at home or even in your hometown where you definitely want to consider venturing about and looking at places that you probably wouldn't even consider. But if you're traveling to a location that you've been wanting to travel to for a long time, do your research, be prepared so that you can fully commit to producing some of the best travel imagery some of the best travel photography and once you're there then you can maximize your time and definitely maximize how you're going to use your equipment your photography equipment another tip that i would suggest is that if you're visiting a local town if you're visiting a, a small city or maybe you're staying in a very transient location make sure that you ask for permission from locals if you're photographing individuals or you want them to be a part of that travel aspect of your photography check in with them introduce yourself say hey listen you know i want to include you in this photograph that i'm about to take is that okay you know here's my information i'm willing to give it to you local people and incorporating local people into your travel photography in a different country or perhaps a different city can be rough or can be tough but you know obviously it could be a combination of the language barrier or them not understanding you what if they say no what if they get offended It's basically just the same way that we talked about doing street photography where you want to ask or you want to capture a specific moment. I definitely recommend talking to individuals. You know, maybe you're asking someone for directions and they're no longer a stranger. You've developed a conversation and you say, you know what, can I take a picture of you like this? Or can I include you? Or can you definitely tell me what the best spots are? And then you can incorporate that into your conversation and then you have someone that you can use and work with to be able to add and include to your travel photography. And, you know, if you're comfortable shooting portraits as you're doing travel photography, that's great. This gives you an opportunity to continue to do that. I've definitely learned that the key to photographing people in their environment in different place is to actually talk to them. You know, make sure that you make that connection, say hello, ask for directions, like I said before, maybe buy a souvenir, compliment someone on something, maybe a pair of shoes, maybe their hat, maybe their glasses. You know, you can chat a few minutes before you ask for a photo and it's far less of an invasive way to do that, to take away from the, you know, the innocence, I guess I can say, of just taking someone's picture without their knowledge or without their concern. Make sure that, you know, once you have this individual's or these group's um, permission that you're able to get the most out of your pictures. Another tip that I always encourage and I always try to do for myself and I continue to do it as I continue to work is to never stop learning. The opportunity to learn to photograph in different shapes, different sizes, different environments, different atmospheres is solely dependent on you as photographers. 
you know, you can take an online photography class like the ones I want to start doing. Um, I just haven't had enough people sign up. So we've kind of postponed everything because of COVID. But if you're interested in an online photography class, just to learn the basics, email us, give me, uh, send me a shout out, send me a voice message through the podcast and let me know. We can set it up. I'm locally located in Miami and I'm happy to do one-on-one tours we could do photo tours of different locations if you have a spot that you haven't gone to but you're definitely willing to try maybe it's a family of four maybe it's just you and your kids whatever the case may be maybe you're visiting and you want to see what you can get with a local give me a ring send me a voice message send me an email laophotographs at gmail.com and i am happy to set that up for you and i am happy to teach you what techniques you can use for your own style, to develop your own style, and to learn to do your thing. So as I keep saying, learning is something essential as a photographer. There's always an update to make to that program that you have on your laptop. There's always a new camera that's coming out. There's always going to be something new that you're going to learn, that you're going to at some point have to teach yourself in order to be better at it, in order to be able to use it effectively for your work. And so what better way to do it than by continuing to learn about what you love to do? There's nothing more interesting and nothing more enticing than to learn about what comes and should come naturally to you if this is what you love, if this is your passion. Definitely uh, use the rule of thirds when you're photographing and travel photography. And we talked earlier on about this. And this is one of the most basic and classic photography tips, being able to understand the rule of thirds. And this will help you to create even more balanced, balanced compositions. For example, it would be like breaking an image down into pieces obviously horizontally and vertically to split it into different sections and be able to capture that one example that i know that i've used for that has been instagram because if you take different settings of pictures if you have a vision at the moment that you're in front of let's say a monument or let's say a person or a place you start to envision different parts and that's what happens when you use the rule of thirds. You start to easily split your vision of that image into different parts. You can do it equally into six different parts, not even. It could be about what, um, nine pieces. So three up and three down and three in the middle. And by doing that, Your goal is going to be to place the important parts of the photo into those sections and that'll help you to frame the overall image in a way that's pleasing to the eye. In other words, if you have the vision of an image of what you want it to be, this will help you. You can visualize it and it'll help you and make sure that Let's say if you're working with an individual or you're traveling with more than one individuals, that you place a person along the left grid line rather than directly into the center. That's going to help you visualize everything around that individual or perhaps even keeping on your horizon at the bottom of the third rather than splitting the image into its very, very half. 
you want to make sure that that horizon is also straight so it gives you the opportunity to look into each one of those boxes or each one of those pieces of the grid so that you're able to capture that image in its entirety and again we'll go over it but the ability to compose the rule of thirds and using it can be done by going to your camera's grid feature which should be as part of the menu if you have a canon camera the button for the menu would be right next to the the viewing lens the back part of your camera if not it could be at the very top on the right hand side you want to go to the grid feature and that will display the rule of thirds which would be the grid directly onto your lcd screen for this purpose keep in mind now that if you compose a travel photo you should be asking yourself a few different questions so your first question would be what are the key points of interest in this spot where should i intentionally place them on this specific grid and also remember to pay attention to these details and they will improve the look of your images that's just one tip right there that you can try okay uh, another tip that i would say is definitely a keeper is the ability to be able to pack a lightweight travel tripod and we did talk about this last when we were talking about food photography make sure that you're able to find a good lightweight travel tripod because the less packages or the less um, stuff you have to carry that's heavy the the least heavy equipment will help you and will allow you to enjoy your trip more than by thinking about oh my god i have to carry all these pieces or all this equipment and i'm not even halfway done through my travel and my travel photography shots so the ability to use a more lightweight travel tripod is easy because it'll keep you to help capture those images appropriately you position your camera to take the images that you probably couldn't do by yourself and you can arrange to have the perfect composition so just keep that in mind you're able to adjust exposure as well you go to your settings and you check on those you can check on your focus points and you have the ability to spend more time paying attention to the image that you want to create you can also use advanced techniques like HDR where you can focus on stacking and maybe even the panoramas if that's what you want to do. And don't forget that tripods overall give you the ability to shoot at a much slower shutter speed. Perhaps um, if you're photographing maybe a waterfall, if you're photographing in low light, you know, something like the sky, the stars, etc. You won't have to worry about your handheld camera shake because you know how I feel about that. You can only hold a camera for so long before your hand without you even noticing starts to shake. You can keep your ISO low, which is for less, um, less noise, meaning that it'll be an image that is less grainy. And you're also able to use a smaller aperture so the more the more you use your smaller aperture, the better in focus your image will be. You'll have 
Again, greater creative control over your camera if you're using your manual settings by using your tripod. And this doesn't mean that you know you have to tug at a tripod every single time that you're gonna photograph, but it's definitely something that you can use for those images where you wanna capture them clearly, okay? Um, another tip that I would say is to be able to experiment with composition. And we've briefly gone over this. Uh, you can always come up with a better photo composition after some experimentation. So what does that mean? You can play around with your composition, meaning your environment, the place that you're in at that particular moment. You can take your first picture standing up straight. Maybe try laying on the ground for a low angle or maybe even climbing up, maybe up a tree or maybe on a few steps. Uh, if they're nearby, of course, we definitely don't want you to get hurt and try shooting from a higher angle. So working with angles, also try shooting from different distances. Maybe start with a wide shot and then slowly go into a mid-range version. And finally, to get that up close and personal shot, get a little bit closer. I would definitely say don't be satisfied with your first idea. Keep shooting, keep looking around, keep inventing, keep recreating because that's going to help you to have the best and most capable looking shot okay i always say creating a powerful foreground is good you can focus on a midground and you can even focus on a background with elements too if let's say your subject is a mountain range like i was saying before maybe find a flower perhaps a river even an animal or something interesting to include in the foreground this is definitely going to give your images a three-dimensional feel and it will help you convey a scale, meaning that, you know, you can draw a viewer's eye for the rest of what that photo is going to be, meaning that your viewer is going to settle and be able to capture everything else around that foreground. Definitely... Um, Another tip is to make travel photography a priority. I know that our main idea is to be able to photograph, but also spend time in locations that allow us to enjoy the travel that we're doing and the travel that we're focusing on. So it's important to be able to make that distinction be between, I'm sorry, just traveling and just taking pictures, but also making sure that you're capturing the most of what you're doing. So take your time and attempting to take a quick shot. Maybe if you're rushing from one place to another is not going to leave you with the same, you know, the same type of photographs that you would be capturing if you were just taking your time, if you weren't rushing. Again, make sure that you plan to have some photography time. So let's say maybe early in the morning you wanna do some photos and then dedicate the rest of the time to just exploring where you're at. You can definitely do that. Um, your travel schedule should include that if you're focusing on maybe 
adventuring or venturing out during the day and maybe perhaps toward the, the latter part of the day you want to photograph, definitely have a plan for that. And if you're traveling with friends who may or may not be into the art form, it can be a little bit difficult to find the time necessary to create great images. So just keep that in mind. You'll need to break off on your own, maybe for a few hours or a few minutes to make photography your priority, to remember that. I know that I've often traveled alone um, and with other dedicated photography uh, persons or professionals for the same reason because you'll be able to relate to one another. And even though you won't be taking the same pictures, you'll have that emphasis of making your photographs a priority as if you were just traveling with friends. And, you know, another tip I would definitely share is not to underestimate the human element. <laughs> And what I mean by that is that people like to live vicariously through human subjects and photos. So let's say you're looking to photograph one individual or maybe make someone a part of that huge landscape that you're looking at at a particular time. You know, that will allow your viewers to pretend as if they were also there or give them the illusion that if they were standing in the same place that this other individual is, that they can get that same feel just by looking at that image. It'll also give them the feel like you're experiencing what the location gives you for yourself, like what it does for you. It could actually do the same for them. And you want to ask yourself, how do I get this done? How does this work? Well, you can pose or you can try allowing the subject to pose in a way that they are anonymous, not perhaps showing the person's face or maybe you know, allowing the individual to look at a, at, a, at a photograph from a different perspective, maybe photographing yourself from the waist down, maybe looking to photograph your shoes or whatever it is that you're wearing as you're walking or as you're taking in this particular moment. And keep in mind too that the human element also gives a better sense of scale. By placing your subjects in the distance, you are able to get a better sense of just how big the mountains really are. If you're photographing the mountains or if you're photographing any large subject or object, okay? That's why photographing tiny people in large landscapes does well because it gives the person or the viewer that type of perspective. And my last tip would be to be patient because patience is everything. Keep in mind that even though you're traveling and you're having fun, if your idea is to capture a specific moment, you need to make sure that you're capturing it at your own time. You can't rush through it. And remember that photography is really about seeing what's in front of you. Not just with your eyes, but with your heart and with your mind. And you have to be dedicated. This requires dedication, it requires time, and it requires your attention. You have to find a way to slow down and make a conscious effort to be aware of your surroundings before you press that shutter. 
you want to pay attention to the details you know if maybe you're photographing the clouds if it's an eye passing spot or an eye pleasing spot if maybe it's not what you want then if you look 15 minutes later how is it going to be different you know maybe sit at a photographic street corner and wait for a photogenic subject to pass by you might get an even better shot if you do that or maybe not maybe that's not going to work but if you don't have the patience to try you may find that you'll miss that specific and that great opportunity to take that picture to capture that moment and be aware of that you know good photography takes time You know, are you also willing to spend a few hours waiting for that perfect shot? Ask yourself that. And then you can consider if this is something that you really want to do. Because as professionals, we have to have the ability to be patient with who you are and with what you have. The better your travel photography will turn out if you have that patience, if you're willing to dedicate that patience to make it turn out great, to have it be better than you expect. So keep that in mind. Make sure that you're able to capture those moments. But remember to have fun. This isn't supposed to be stressful. This isn't supposed to be something that you have to dread. This is something that should just come natural to you, that you enjoy. And that's why it's so great. And it'll be so great for you to do it. So remember those things, make sure that you're able to feel comfortable in what, what and where you're shooting, that you're enjoying yourself, that you're taking care of your equipment because that's also important and that you have fun. It's important to do that. It's important to enjoy yourself. So with that, I say good night. I wish everyone the best possible 4th of July and that you spend it with everyone you love that you have and you capture great pictures. If you're doing portraits, that you capture great portraits and that you have fun, that you enjoy yourself and it doesn't become something hectic that you have to do, that it's actually enjoyable. And if you need any help, if you're looking to do a short photo tour around the city, around Miami, around Miami Beach, wherever the place may take you, let me know, reach out, send me voice messages, send me an email at laophotographs.com. Check out my Instagram page at lfphotospace and definitely leave me feedback. Any feedback and all feedback, as long as it's good, constructive and respectful, I love and I, I specifically and I especially respect. Thanks everyone. Have a good night and enjoy.